Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Whose Filmography Is It Anyway? Where today we finish our coverage of Bong Joon-ho officially, which is pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Pretty, pretty. These uh, couple weeks have gone by real quick. Anyway, I am Stephen Molina. With me, as always, is my co-hosted friend, Josh Page. Thank you, Stephen, for another lovely introduction. Yes, we're at the end of another show. I don't know how it's happened, but uh, it's been uh, it's been quite the few weeks, and I'm feeling more Korean as the days go by. I actually saw on the Criterion channel the other night that there's a new section called New Korean Cinema, and Bong Joon-ho is one of the curators of that like specific channel on the Criterion channel like app. It, it it's really interesting. The host awesome. is on there as well. That's awesome. And I know that we had said, I think we said last episode that um, Parasite and Memories of Murder are in the Criterion collection. I don't know yeah. what's, I know they both have the Blu-ray releases or at least getting the Blu-ray release, but they're both considered Criterion films now. As so of this cool. recording, uh, you could buy Parasite. That has already been released. Memories of a Murder, I believe, is getting released in yeah. a month April? or two. Yeah, or so. Yeah, so it's pretty cool oh, that... Yeah. Uh, Bong has made his splash. <laughs> splash, yeah. Oh man, I, I kind of want the memories of a murdered Blu-ray too. Yeah, I don't know. So good. I still need to buy Grand Budapest Hotel too. I'm behind on my Blu-ray. We're falling, be- we're falling behind on our <laughs> Criterion collection, but we'll save that for our Criterion episode. <laughs> oh man, that would be quite an episode. That'll be something. So, <clears throat> do you um, think we should just jump into the awards for this? Uh, let's. Let's do it, Stephen. We're so gonna jump in. We're Josh gonna jump and into I the decided for the awards that we liked the ones we had so much that we're just gonna keep it going, but we're gonna make it movie total. So, best and worst characters in an overall movie, best genre bends for the overall movies, worst moment for the lower class, best twist, and best metaphor. Josh, tell me, what movie had the best or worst characters? So, um. I just want to say that these were all, as always, it's always very hard for me to decide anything in life. So ultimately, there were some answers I was leaning towards. I leaned, I'll, I'll just say right off the bat, I leaned towards Parasite for many of these awards, but I wanted to be fair. Yeah, um, I know, right? But by best or worst characters, I actually went with Okja. And I want to just explain because I said it's best or worst. And the range of to worst traits in a character, I think, are not seen anymore in his work than that movie. I'd say Snowpiercer is pretty close because that's a literal classist from the back of the train to the front to the people become worse as you go along. But with Okja, it's like, you've got, you know, Mija, you've got the these very innocent characters, you know, and then you've got the characters like the Tilda Swintons and, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal and like these like really just morose characters who are just out for corporate greed and blood. And so like that range of best to worst, I think it exists best, most efficiently in that movie for me, so. No, that's um, a really good point. And you're right in that regard in terms of like, you know, flipping a that, coin best and yeah. worst. That movie has either the best characters or like the worst characters. They're so good natured. And I then mean, otherwise, though, when we say worst again, we want you to realize like we don't mean worst in a negative necessarily. Way. No. Like, Tilda like, Swinton is doing a great job. Jake Gyllenhaal is doing of course, a great job. They're terrible characters. Characters are, are evil people though. <laughs> yeah. I went with Parasite, like you said. It's probably the obvious answer, but every character in that movie is phenomenal. They're all fleshed out. They're all 
extremely human and there are both great and terrible characters within it so easy so answer that, of course. that's my answer best genre bends <laughs> again you know i could have gone with a couple of them because they're each of his movie bends the genre often but parasite is probably the clearest example of moving from one genre to the next it starts off as a dark comedy moves into thriller and then into like a like adventure movie when you're trying to deflood the housing and then it turns into a horror movie it literally bends genre like five times in a great way yeah i mean we can make this a discussion piece because that's obviously i think it's the only obvious answer uh for the folks who listen to the parasite episode we were kind of alluding to like bong's work building up to parasite in terms of his genre bending it's kind of what steven said is pretty perfect it's kind of what we were saying in the last episode it's that you never know where it's going not just the plot but you never know how the mood is going to change um it is the epitome of genre bending uh i think out of not just bong's work but out of most movies i've seen um you can't really pitch it to anyone you could say i mean it's technically a dark comedy but also a thrilling drama and it's just it's the fact that you can't quite put a label on it makes it special so i feel like it's really (laughs) for me it was the only obvious answer yeah that one it's just like we said, it's, it's too on the nose. It's too on the nose, but it's, <laughs> it's, so tell me, what is your worst uh, moment for the lower class movie? Oh, this I one to me the, was pretty obvious. I went with the literal answer, with which was Snowpiercer to me. Yeah, that's my answer so too. We could just make this a discussion piece. Um, when you have a the, monologue that yeah. begins with like, "Do you know what I hate about myself? I know what people taste <laughs> I, like. I know what babies taste like." <laughs> that's that, that's like the end all be all for lower class it's very literal but like as we said in our episode like it really works um the fact that it's the train is built in a way where the back of the the front of the train is the the wealthy and the you know people of money and people who have power or whatever but the back of the class isn't just lower class like you said like it's like they're literally eating each other i mean they're like just they're struggling to survive and so it's it's a literal they're on it like living on a train it's a literal metaphor but it, it works so well so yeah it's not like parasite where the even the lower class has a moment of of reprieve like in parasite the kim family is still able to like live in the park family and enjoy it sure house for like you know at least five to ten minutes where (laughs) where snowpiercer it's like each of them are dying on their way to the front of the train yeah. And then the train literally blows up. There's no moment where they can enjoy themselves, except for maybe the sushi sequence. It's a shit show for the lower class. Yeah, and it's ironic that you get to the front of the train and Ed Harris is in his robe enjoying steak, and it's kind of just, that's this glimpse of what, well, you know, living the high can, life uh, is like. If I could springboard off of that, that's my best twist. Uh, okay. For overall movies, I went with Snowpiercer, specifically the Wilfred reveals. You know, not just meeting Ed Harris, but him telling uh, what's it, Chris Evans' character, Curtis, that mm-hmm. Wilfred, uh, not Wilfred, that Gilliam, John Hurt's character, was actually working with him the entire time. Oh, man. It hit then, so hard. I mean, there were obviously other movies that had twists. I thought about going with Mother uh, or Memories of a Murder, but mm. the, to me, there was no twist that was like, as you know big as that one 
Yeah, sure. For me, I didn't go. I didn't go with as much of a of a literal answer for my best uh, twist. I went with Parasite again. It's just um, similar to the genre answer. It's kind of just you can't really see where the movie's going. Um, I think in terms of twists, like the twists aren't terribly big. Some of them are, especially at the end. But the fact that you you can't see where it's going makes those moments like uh, Moon Guang coming to the door in the rain, like we in our episode. It's like it's you really just you you could never see it coming and then once she enters the house you could never see where that twist is going and like we've said in the episode it's that the whole genre shifts in that moment and so as far as twists go for the whole film especially down to that climax i you just completely it's a it's completely unpredictable i mean to the point where anything could have happened yeah um so yeah i guess i went with like more of a Shyamalan answer where right which like, is yeah what no is your answer is your answer is great man you know and my whatever it's just it's different yeah. and that's what's what's good but so best metaphor again pretty obvious but you know i went with parasite i thought about going with mother but in the end parasite just has the most metaphors out of any of the other movies there's even a character talking about how metaphorical stuff is so I literally every shot I believe has some form of symbolism down very to like Hitchcockian very Hitchcockian no <laughs> but like you know the set design is built around metaphor as well you have a dark door that hot that shrouds at the basement in like complete mystery and darkness you have the rock which is not really a symbol but you know we place symbolism on it you know everything has like a metaphor within it what is, what about you is that your answer as well? Uh, so I thought about it. Uh, huh. I actually did not go with that, even though it is the wow. most, I think what the a most twist. obvious well, obvious answer. What a twist, as always. Very bong, what a twist. Um, I actually went with the host. So unexpected, but I again, like kind of like what you were saying with Snowpiercer for um, the, the twist is kind of where I'm at with the host and my metaphor because it's very on the nose because it's it's a monster it's a literal monster and as many monster movies do best they will use the monster as a representation for something i'm a monster <laughs> and buster blues is running around with his hook hand and you know all the korean <laughs> children are screaming um but it's kind of um i i just think that idea of like blending it's the first time in his career in his filmography that um, he blends american culture with uh korean culture and it's kind of like this idea of um, you know the formaldehyde creating problems stems from the stubbornness of the Americans, and then it creates this problem that uh, of literally evolves, and it becomes very COVID friendly, and everyone's in hazmat suits and running away, and then there's this whole idea of the government covering it up, and like it's funny because as we said in our our host episode, it, the movie's more almost more relevant now than it was in 2006. Even when it <laughs> so I think the idea of the monster doing what it does best and being a representation of what's really going on between the, the creating terror in citizens, but also like, yeah, you know, a pandemic literally happening. Um, it's a very on the nose metaphor. So I want just the, the literal answer, not the obvious answer but yeah there you, there you have it folks <laughs> uh, yeah and in that regard i guess you could have gone with okja too because okja absolutely. is a literal metaphor walking An another around. another creature walking around absolutely it's like, right. like looking at a giant walking piggy bank so then here we are at the moment that you've all been waiting for the ranking of the bong joon ho movies i think since there are only seven movies josh why don't you do seven through two 
and then I will do my seven through two. We will recap and then talk about our number ones. I love this, you know, for spoiling the audience with a great anticipation. <laughs> All right. So um, as always, we'll do just brief. I'll try and keep it very brief descriptions with each thing. Very brief. No, I have a feeling our, as much or as little time as you I want, have but... a feeling our list will be similar. And so I'm excited about this. Yeah, um, I feel like we definitely have at least the same number seven. So I'll use that as a springboard, like you said. Um, I think number seven. So I just want to recap just, you know, as if we haven't bored the folks at home to death with these comparisons, but um, Bong's and I'll save, you know, save this for final discussion, but Bong's filmography continues to remind me of Wes Anderson. And it does so in this very obvious way that I'm about to say that barking dogs never bite is very similar to bottle rocket in that sense. Yeah. Um, that it's a, a great, last it's kind of like following for nolan it's like it's a great last place pick because you see only the potential and then you obviously the filmmaker can only go up for upwards from here which i'll take this time to say like the west ranking very much like the west ranking none of these are 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 bad movies or poor i don't i I recommend all of them but i i I know to rank them it's like you feel bad putting something in last place but as we always say um this is kind of just like the you know the best of the best so it's kind of like barking dogs is the worst of the best but it's still a a good movie so yeah while we're talking about barking dogs i'll just spoil it that's my number seven too so i can just like (laughs) so we can skip over my number seven when we get to it yeah it's just like you said this movie is like the bare bones obviously because he's a brand new director um he's finding his footing he's finding his footing but there's a still like you said wes anderson there's a lot of like nuggets in there where you're like you could see where this guy's going but this to me yeah. is more like following because following for nolan literally laid out like his thesis for the entirety of the rest of his filmography and i think barking dogs did the same where bottle rocket didn't necessarily do that for wes anderson sure yeah yeah but that's that's the reason barking dogs is my number seven but yeah go on it's, to a your gr- number it's, six. A, it's actually an incredible introduction to to the filmmaker it's a great place to start so it's a great place to start this conversation um so this is <laughs> the next three get tricky because there could all be kind of hand in hand i completely agree like literally like, like you could so agree. the next three i say could really can could be you could change the order of any of them and it doesn't matter so i'll just go i'll just say this. my number six is i just changed it this morning my number six is snowpiercer my number five is the host, and my number four is Okja. Now, I use those three where they are because they're all, as we were just saying with the with the awards, they're all they're all very literally metaphorical. Um, I think that Snowpiercer just, I loved it when it came out, and I loved it this. T- I, it was more eye opening this time around watching it in order, but it's also, it's weird because it's not the, the my younger self who would have ate it up as a, a strictly action movie because it's it's bong's most action-driven piece so like it's arguably his most entertaining movie but it's also because it spends so much time with wonderful action choreography they don't take as much time to flesh out characters and and dynamics in the way they do in other films so it's a not lot a of knock, drop kicks in that one there's so, oh so good so many drop that's kicks. an award we should have added best <laughs> movie with best drop kicks we can throw that in at the end. I can think about that. Uh, I think I already know my answer, but memories um, of murder for me. But yep, that's the, that's it. <laughs> memories of murder. It's the, invented the dropkick. 
Um, my number five is the host. Um, like I was saying, it's a literal metaphor. I was saying with the awards. Um, I think that one's got a little more, uh, more family that I really appreciate. It's a lot more going on behind the drama. Uh, I, I compare it to Little Miss Sunshine, if you heard our episode. It's just the idea of a dysfunctional family coming together. <laughs> <laughs> there just happens to be a monster. Super freak at the end. You know, it's, it's wonderful. Like... It's wonderful. So um, there's a lot more family dynamic going on in that. Um, and my number four, Okja, the whole idea of it just being what it is in terms of Okja being a, uh, the metaphor for commerce and whatnot. But there's it's such an adventure movie, as we, we said in our episode. So... Um, my number three all right so this is this will be a this is where it'll this is where things will change so my, my number three is mother uh, probably the most unexpected of all the movies that we watched it's i can't have nothing more to say about it than we said in our episode it's incredible it's so it's incredible because it's such a sleeper yeah uh, it's incredible because of for multiple reasons but the whole the whole dynamic that's a great one for twists because it kind of just the movie shifts a little like Parasite, like halfway through it becomes something else when you learn more about the mother. Um, and then when you find out the Rashomon style ending, um, it's, it's, it really surprised me. And um, the biggest twist, my number two is actually going to be Parasite. Wow. Wow. That is a twist. That is a twist. But go on. And after, you know, leaving the folks at home what they could anticipate for the number one. But I'll uh, just to recap: seven barking dogs, seven is snow Pier- uh, seven is barking dogs, six is snowpiercer, five is the host, four is Oakja, three is mother, and two is parasite. Okay, even so, take it away. Number seven, barking dogs never bite. We already talked about it. I don't need to talk about it again. Like Josh said, these last three three were pretty interchangeable for me. But uh, overall, I went the host at number six. I just felt, again, I highly recommend every single one of these movies. But if I'm going to rewatch any of them, the host is probably going to fall toward the bottom of my list. Because if I'm going to watch a monster movie like that, I might just put a Godzilla on instead of the host. At number five, Snowpiercer, the action in that movie just blows me away every time. And so does the set design. And I just think it has a lot to say, a lot more than the host, in, which is a reason why I put it slightly above it. Snowpiercer, just what a crazy train that is. Highly, again, highly recommend it. Number four was Okja. The first time I watched this movie, I was not too high on it, to be honest. And maybe that's why it's so high this time, because the rewatch just made me really fall in love with the movie. It was so good. It was so good. It I was, was so. It's a movie that demands to, I think, to be watched. Yeah, it definitely. Because the first time I watched it, I thought it was laying it on pretty thick. But after a rewatch, I was like, you know what? It still might not be thick enough. And the characters in there are, like we were talking about earlier, they're, they vary from so good to so bad, but they come together in such a great way. Yeah. And who doesn't oh, like the yeah. pig, you know? Uh so two and three are, are like interchangeable with each other, but they had like a jump above the, you know, the previous three. So at number three, I went with Memories of Murder. I think that uh, it's a thrilling movie. Like, don't get me wrong, absolutely thrilling. And it seems like... Uh, I, I don't even know just the detail level is so 
insane in this movie. I can't talk highly enough about the performances and the twists and the turns and how they're ballsy enough not to actually give you an answer at the end, but to show what I love about the movie so much is uh, something that happens in a lot of other movies where you start with one character on one side and another character on another and somehow they like twist and flip and they end up on the opposite sides again at, at the end. So that's my number three. My number two is Mother. I just, I'd never seen this movie before and it just blew me away from the opening shot it's so of, good of uh mother dancing i was just like in i was like this is gonna be special. this is gonna be good this is gonna be good <laughs> like wow what a fucking... what a performance from uh, i don't even know her name the mother I... <sighs> neither do i i forgot and he it. literally didn't he didn't we said bong had said that if she wasn't gonna do it he wasn't gonna make the movie yeah bong literally wrote the movie for that specific actress and was like it's if you're wonderful. not gonna do it then i'm not gonna uh do it that's amazing so there you go that's number two i phenomenal and so well shot oh man we said it was the first time that bong's movies went really wide they went two three five in that movie yeah it was and it's it's a movie that i honestly like you wouldn't think because it's a drama um it's just a regular drama but it's a movie i would love to have seen on the big screen yeah and i haven't done this yet but because I've been busy with other stuff, but I feel like the rewatchability of Mother is going to be high, not because it's like an easy watch, but because I guarantee every time you do watch, there will be something new to take away from it. I was just going to say one of those kinds of it's one of those kinds of movies. The ambiguity in it alone, because there's so it's very plot driven, like on the surface, but also like the more you dig with it, it's like once you think about the son and what he did, and then you think about what mother tried to do when the son was young, and then you think about the ending and you're like, really, and we talked a lot in our episode about the psychology of those characters, how broken yeah. and how attached they are. That like, it, uh, I think like um, Okja demands rewatch, but even more so because it's just the, the psychological nature of those characters is and so- Don't get me wrong, ripping. Memories of a Murder is, falls in the same camp of like I guarantee if you rewatch the movie you're going to catch something that you didn't catch before that like adds an extra layer because well, both of them are just so detailed I mean and and we had talked about it in our in those episodes for those shows but those movies it's great that you paired them up and I didn't because then I'll get to mine in a sec but I those movies as we said could exist in the same universe I oh, mean absolutely Mother and Memories of Murder could just be part of like a giant bong miniseries. Like it's really the way in the nature of the dark, gritty, um, just environment of these characters who are like just trying their best. They're just trying to hold on. But then these like horrible, horrible things are just tearing them apart. And the mood of those movies and the fact that they're some of the fewer movies he's done that are almost completely in a completely realistic environment. I mean, Barking Dogs is realistic, but it's got that dark comedic effect of people trying to kill dogs. And there's, it's a very hijinks kind of movie where these are so embedded in like just a dark reality. And it's just like- They're so gritty and real. Yeah. And one more thing I just want to add about Mother. I just wanted to add that I feel like, you know, just studying my top 10 lists of the uh, episodes of, you know, 
the things we've been doing recently. I just have a proclivity for like the bastard child movies and this falls in that category to me. You know? Well, uh, I, I, I have a, a staking suspicion we'll get back to that, that conversation at the very end of the show, but yeah, I, we, we've seemed to have a knack for that, uh, the, the bastard children of the movies, because like some of them just need love. And like I said, I'll, I'll have more to say about that at the end of the show. So then why um, don't you get to your number one? So I respect your comments about Memories of Murder, which is my number one, of course. Um, I, and I respect that you place it where you do, because I think this is a very, so I don't know. For me, it's like these movies, like very similar to six, there are six through four, which are the same answers, but just in different order. Um, the first three for me, I think are kind of interchangeable. I think that, ah, no, I mean, look, there's a lot to say to say about Parasite. We did a whole show about it last time, you know. Did we? Um, it's, I don't remember. I can't really remember. <laughs> but Memories of Murder is just like, I can see why the only negative, the only way someone could take a real negative aspect of what you're saying, it feels too much like other cop dramas I've seen. You pointed out in that episode, the Memories of Murder episode we did, that it's almost like uh, Bong Joon-ho watched Seven, David Fincher do Seven, and made Memories of Murder, and then Dave Fincher watched Memories of Murder and made Zodiac. Not to say that any of those movies are cats of each other, but they there there are there. It feels like clear inspirations. And when you watch as many movies as we do, it's hard to not watch Memories of Murder and be like, "Wow, this feels a lot like Zodiac." And then it ends, and you're like, "Wow, it feels like almost on the nose like Zodiac." And yet, like it's got its own personality. There is such a Korean nature to memories of all these of he he embeds korean nature and all of them he's got the karaoke you know as we said and the drop it's almost like he's been it's almost like he lives in korea it's almost like he's in korea so it's like memories of murder feels like kind of like a korean zodiac in a sense where it gives it its own personality where it doesn't i kept making the note i kept making the notion almost every episode that you know what films and what especially bong's films do is something that american filmmakers i think would have trouble pulling off if they tried to do exactly what he does because a korean nature and culture just doesn't translate as well when it's put like um, like a memories of murder if you were to just make an american version of it it wouldn't work because it would just be like a, a a cop drama that we've seen but me, like memories of murder works because it's it's just it's dark and it's just kind of it's never ending you said everything about it just being what it is but it's filled with you know, uh, a, a twist, very weird comedic moments. Um, it kind of keeps you on your toes the whole time. It's incredibly intense. A lot but of the good point, drop kicks. Great drop kicks. And I think the point that you hit on the nose is that the the main two characters kind of completely change dynamics. And the fact that they leave with the ambiguous ending is, it, it leaves it all the more lingering that, like you said with Mothers, I think that it demands a rewatch. It's one of those things that'll really, I think, grow, it'll age really well. Um, I think that like, I mean, it will continue because it does, it's not giving you a straightforward answer. It will continue to just be, I mean, I don't know, probably one of the best murder mystery dramas that I've ever seen. I mean, yeah. and that's considering I've only saw for my first time when we did the show. So maybe I'm just like high off of it a little bit, but like, I didn't expect it to be that good, but I can also say the same thing about mother. So, I mean, and then I, you know, Parasite only came out in 2019, so I could say the same thing about that. These yeah. were these were very wonderful experiences for me. So, so I'll just get to my list here again to recap: seven Barking Dogs, Never Bite, six The Host, five Snowpiercer, four Okja, three Memories of Murder, 
two, Mother, one, Parasite. Parasite was my favorite movie of 2019. And it is still just like astounding to me in every regard. I know it might be like the, you know, quote unquote, easy answer for Bong Joon-ho, but to me, it was like the only answer for the same relative reasons that Grand Budapest Hotel was the number one for Wes Anderson. To me, this is like everything Bong Joon-ho has been building to. This is like him taking every trick in the book he has learned from, you know, mother using 2.35 aspect ratio, memories of murder using complex uh, characters to Okja's like lighting techniques and Snowpiercer, you know, everything is just like building to this point. And it's his thesis, his senior thesis. <laughs> this is his senior thesis, exactly. And it just all explodes I mean, in a beautiful, yeah. m- magnetic way. And there are like two or three sequences in this movie that I consider to be like absolutely like perfect. The peach tuberculosis setup, like absolutely perfect. The, en- <laughs> the ending sequence, absolutely perfect. You know, there's like so many sequences in this movie where you're like wow and every time like i was saying about memories of murder or mother every single time you watch this movie you pick up on something new like fabulous every time it's it's amazing maybe that is also a reason why it's still my number one i've seen like i said during my um uh, while we were talking about parasite last time that i've seen this movie probably the most out of every bong joon ho movie i've seen this movie like four times now but it still stands above the rest for me. Like I said, Mother and Memories of Murder are like kind of interchangeable. And then four through six are like interchangeable with themselves. Seven was always going to be Barking Dogs. But but Parasite is just like one step above the rest for me. It does feel, I mean, we said it, we kind of teased it, I feel like in our Parasite episode that it has that Grand Budapest feeling. I mean, sometimes our similar opinions and, viewpoint of just things as is maybe the downfall of of these kinds of rankings because a lot of times they're the same answer so like i i had because parasite is really like on paper i think it's a better movie than memories of murder by like a hair but i just prefer memories of murder but like the thing about parasite is it really has that i think grand budapest is the best comparison especially for our show because we've already covered west but it's like it's you and i have said so many times that 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 idea of a quote unquote a perfect film or something that like you couldn't trim any of the scenes or take out of a fraction of the frames. You know, I think you could, but like you kind of lose it a little bit. And Parasite's one of those movies. Um, it's just so it's it has a rhythm balanced. to it. Everything it's perfectly had, balanced. Yeah, everything works at a very specific cadence, and you take anything out, and it just completely topples over see and that's the difference between mother and memories of murder where both scenes are kind of filled and we said i definitely said this during with those episodes is they're kind of filled with moments where you're like where is this going do we really need this kind of context and then it comes together and you're like okay it adds to the story it makes sense but parasite you never feel that way you watch it and you're like okay why are we harping on these conversations it's literally it's the movie's a giant building block parasite it's like every scene is literally just building to the next um, they do it in a very Hitchcocking way, as we said in our episode. It's very, it, it, it's every scene is just more either suspenseful than the last or more comedic than the last or more horrifying than the last. And it's special because you don't see that in many movies ever. 
And like we mentioned with the other movies, it has a great ambiguous ending where you're like, oh, wow, like this could it's, have happened, it's, this could yeah, not just, have happened, I don't know. And, uh, you know, this movie could also fall in line with Mother and Memories of Murder, where it's like it could technically be in the same universe just 20 <laughs> years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? Or um, I guess Memories of Murder took place in the 80s, so 30 years later for Parasite. But, I mean, they literally. I mean, I mean, a lot of these movies could exist in the same universe. I remember our buck. Our, I remember our barking dogs episode. One of the first notes that we had made about it when discussing is that it felt like a predecessor to Parasite. It felt like the classes, you know, morals were already being embedded from the janitor literally living in the basement, you know, uh, to these people living in the apartment complexes, like way high up in these tall buildings. It's like it's almost like he knew that early on and that's why the references the one you the one you just made that we have said before that it's like he's been building to parasite it's it's been more uh, relevant and more it's been more evident than ever even starting with barking dogs like you always knew that he was kind of building something bigger absolutely um, which and, is cool because it's like a bookend you know and this is not a knock toward wes anderson because i love the movie that i'm about to mention but wes anderson also has a couple like detours in regards to his movies you know, like Life Aquatic, I remember we mentioned, it feels more like a Bill Murray movie than a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Or even like, uh, you know, Fantastic Mr. Fox or uh, Isle of Dogs. Yes, they like fall under his like uh, style. They fall, they have his kind of dialogue. They have Wes Anderson's, you know, hands all over them, but they're still like slightly different than the rest that's if, the i would say that's the host and okja of his career kind of but i just feel like okja and the host hit more of what bong joon ho tries to say than something oh, like fantastic sure. mr fox hits what wes Which anderson is a crime caper tried, it's, it's its yeah. own it's its own thing yeah 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 so i i feel like we've moved into final discussion already but oh, of course yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i just feel like Every single one of Bong Joon-ho's movies feels like a Bong Joon-ho movie. Not that Wes Anderson movies don't, but every movie in Bong Joon-ho's like filmography just like falls on this thin line where it's just like, you know who has done, obviously because he's an auteur, but he has this way of telling almost the same message, the same story over and over again, but in such a completely different way. And he's made seven amazing movies telling like the same fucking story, which to me is astounding. Yeah. I, I think that to, that to me, more than any other show you and I have done thus far, uh, this feels the most textbook in terms of like the beginning of the class and the end of the class. Like it feels literally like we've come full circle. Like it's comes... It's not like Disney where we were learning something new factually or historically. It's like, but it's, it's like, I think I'd said this during the Parasite episode, but it's kind of like, you feel like there's Barking Dogs is the introduction to the course and memory um, and Parasite is the, you know, the, the finale of the course. It's like, what have we learned? You know what I mean? And you're kind yeah. of going back and it feels like it's been seven chapters. It's like seven chapters of a textbook. It really feels like in terms of, of following a director or following a filmmaker this is like more more than any show we've done in my opinion west would come close but this is chronologically it's like we're building we're learning we're just expanding and growing and it's kind of like it's i don't know that's a very interesting experience because i i you know 
it's it's it, we're constantly building blocks upward con- constantly yeah um, and it's cool so it's been a lot to take away i i don't know about you but just the top making this ranking was probably the hardest ranking that we've done thus far oh absolutely because you know like i mentioned numerous times nolan was like pretty easy like i knew dark knight rises was gonna be like dead last. <laughs> there, there was just like no way it wasn't it's but easy Wes to Anderson, see obviously the- it was more difficult but you know at the end of the day you knew Rock- bottle rocket was going to be last and you knew like grand budapest you know there were there was some like well this feels the same way and like i said with barking dogs feeling like bottle rocket and parasite feeling like grand budapest in i'm that, just like- saying like the ranking for like mm-hmm. the difference between my love for wes anderson movies can vary like where this one it's like every movie is so close to one another oh they're so close where i can watch like any one of them and change my mind completely like okja could flip to number three possibly if i rewatched it and was like sucked in again that's how i mean i i I mean as we've said it's like gonna be the thing that kills us but our rankings are like it's a these very intricately like kind of things, but it's also true because it's like the four through six, I think, because like I said, they're the most metaphorical, the most literally metaphorical, like the, like, you know, between a, a super pig, a train and a, a monster, you know, it's like, um, I don't know. I mean, there's a reason they're interchangeable and the top three are also for me interchangeable. It's like, I, they really, I think of all of them, this is the closest that the rankings have come to life. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they could all they could all topple over each other. They could all change order. As yeah, well. so we can uh, branch out a little bit. Stop blowing smoke off up uh, Bong Joon Ho's butt here. Oh, uh, I got my knee pads ready. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, we're not leaving the realm of Bong Joon Ho, but we could talk more about just the team around him because he also has a proclivity of choosing like the perfect actors for his. Uh, movies the perfect production designers the perfect like everything for like what he has done like literally every movie just feels like he has chosen the right team behind him that in the beginning he starts with an indie korean he started with an you know comedy and then he built and then he kind of expanded his you know his uh you know the a big korean uh, cop drama and then he's and he, he dips expanded his toes real in. quick going from right. barking dogs to memories of murder i remember saying this on the memory it was a of huge murder, jump but like i have never seen such a huge jump from a it's director a big before leap. yep it's like astounding how big of a leap you went from one to two was of course and you're talking about the people around him in his production and like the fact that he just kept getting bigger and bigger as we talked about and you get to the host and he's dipping his toes into american culture a little bit you know stuff to say about the pandemic and monsters and metaphors and he's offered all these giant blockbusters that he turned away and then he comes back to mother which is a very intense korean drama widening his scope and so he's kind of still building but he's coming back to korean culture and then he does snowpiercer and okja which are like the most american movies he's made and like i mean in terms of the average american moviegoer that's the one that feels like something that you would just see on tv or in your local movie theaters it's just very so it's funny that he has so much to say he makes a whole action movie and he does this a post-apocalyptic action movie on a train and then he does a uh you know this heartwarming very intense movie Movie about a a super pig a super pig in in manhattan and you know what i mean and it's just kind of like and then what does he do after all this he goes back to korea and he does as we said it's a strictly 
Korean movie and it ends up winning best picture. So to see his like whole crew expand the way they do and for him to keep coming back and then like go to dive into America and come back to Korea. And it's like, he's in his team and, you know, getting to ringing Tilda Swinton dry of her, her talents with just two movies that, you know, I know. Well, Tilda and him are like good friends. So, but I feel like, Tilda is just like friends with everyone because she's in so many different movies. I, I feel know. like of all the actors and actresses in the world, we've talked about her the most because she's in a couple <laughs> Wes Anderson movies too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just cool. Like you said, like it's not just him. It's it's his whole team and it's his cast and it's who he picks. And it's like, he never you know, ceases to amaze in terms of like what uh, his crew can do. And like just even the offers that they get, it's just kind of like... I just want to know what it's like to be like his production designer. <laughs> That's gonna be wild. Him saying, "Okay, cool. I'm I'm so thrilled the way Memories of Murder came out. Okay, now we're gonna go do a monster movie." <laughs> right, and that's the thing, and then and then you know, get it for to do uh, whatever Godzilla or whatever. Or I guess like after Mother, be like, "Okay, great. This movie was beautiful. It came out great. We're gonna go do a movie about a train." and the lower class it's amazing it is amazing and you know we said this during uh the snow piercer podcast too he has just the he he's an artist first and you know that because he will do battle for his artwork we like i said we mentioned this during the snow piercer one but he went to war with weinstein over Snowpiercer, and again, like we we can joke about it now, like ha ha ha. He went to war with Weinstein. How hard could that be? But it, that was like 2013. That was the height of Weinstein's power. And that was or, before. Or like, I mean, maybe not the height, because the height was probably like 1999 when he was able to like get people to win the Academy uh, for Shakespeare and Love over Saving Private Ryan. But he had a lot of power. Know, he but... had a lot of power in 2013. And Bong Joon-ho is this like brand new American director. And he's going to war with him over his art. You know, he's not going to sit by and let someone fuck up what his vision is. Yeah, he did exactly what he wanted to do, even down to what was it? What did we say? The fish tank scene or whatever. The, no, it was um, cutting the fish. The that's what it was. guards cutting the fish before they fight. Yeah. And even like little details like that, because we had said throughout the shows that he you know loves adding these little details and it's kind of like even things like that he's like no i'm gonna do it my way um and that's the most admirable thing about him yeah i think that that right there like that word you used admirable is the biggest takeaway i had i have for um west uh sorry for bong joon ho it's just like after watching all of his movies, I just have such an admiration for him. Oh yeah, he's such a humble dude, and like we said, he just wants to do his craft. And he, even at like we were saying at the Oscars, he's just making these like thank you speeches, like it's nothing. Like he's kind of just like, oh yeah, but you know, I just love what I'm doing. You know, it's how can you not just like be admired by it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and you know, unlike uh, Christopher Nolan, who just had Tenant and. Uh, Wes Anderson, who has the French Dispatch coming out. We don't know what Bong Joon-ho's next movie is going to be. No idea. We don't know when it's coming out. Uh, usually he takes like four movies, uh, four years before each movie. So hopefully he 
hurries it up because yeah. <laughs> I, I want to see the next Bong Joon-ho movie. You know what he's done? He's like we said, we've said off air, I think, like about someone like Paul Thomas Anderson or like any auteur. Tarantino. All they, have, all they have to do is put his name on, at this point, all they have to do is put his name on on a, on a title card and I'm like, okay, I'm like, or on a, a preview and I'm like, okay, I'm going to see it no matter what, you know? Yeah, I I completely agree. He's but uh, his spot. I, I'm curious if he is able to like, maintain the status he's accumulated in the hollywood world not necessarily in the hearts and minds of fanboys like us sure because like i said we're always gonna watch like you said we're always gonna watch a movie if his name is attached but i'm very curious if like his next movie will be nominated for best picture or well, if, like Wes, like Wes and Tarantino earned their names in the Academy in terms of like their movies were one after another getting nominated. For yeah, or, or Paul Thomas Anderson, who you said, like if they release a movie, it's like pretty much assured that they'll get like at least three Oscar nominations for each. I mean, movie. it's just expected because that's just how their movies have built in the eyes of of, of, of the American of the oh, of the Academy. But yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just curious because he is South Korean, if he will be able to maintain that status among the, you know, bullshit, uh, you know, award crowd. Well, we'll have to see how uh, much toleration uh, America can take for, you know, foreign artists, because as I, as I said, we said in the Parasite episode, like we, it, it was his splash in the American mainstream. I mean, people didn't know who he was and was best picture and like people were like asking about Parasite and like wondering about it. And you know what I mean? And it's, that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's hard for foreign directors. Uh, and I think part of the problem is that the Academy doesn't look at foreign films the same as American movies because there is that snag where they have their own category for best foreign film, which means every year each country can only nominate one movie to be in the pool for best foreign language film, which is disrespectful and bullshit. (laughs) You know, like... I'm just thinking last year, uh, two years ago at this point, um, you had Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Les, Miser- and Les Mis, the remake. Les Mis ended up getting the... Um, the nomination. Fran- well, it ended up getting France's endorsement, which means it was submitted to the Academy and then they voted on it to be nominated. But it, to me, that it, it just it seems stupid and doesn't make sense. Why can't both movies be in contention and why can't they just be considered for best picture like portrait of a lady on fire could have been nominated for best picture i'm sorry oh, but like 100 percent, 100 percent. like i don't know and even parasite like i mean the only one i kind of get is animated feature because animated is like its own beast and it's very rare when an animated movie gets nominated for best picture. Best it used picture. to happen um, in the mid, whatever, mid late two thousands. Uh, the last one Pixar to do was... it was Toy Story three, I believe, which was two thousand ten. Because they had a run. It was up and then uh, up Toy and Story then 3. Toy Story three, and then you know. But it's even like you said, it's its own beast. Where with foreign films, it's well. I'm just saying it's its own beast in the way that like the movies are made in general. Like you're of really course. awarding the animators, not necessarily like the 
well, it's the whole production, or, yeah. right? I mean, it's the whole creative team and the voice actors. It's a totally, it's all, it's really is its own thing. That's what I'm saying. It's its own thing. But like foreign films, it's like you're not doing anything different to make a foreign film than an American film. It's the same process. You're having actors stand in front of a camera, and you're filming them. You know, it, it's yeah. the same general process. And I think that foreign films are bleeding into the American culture of cinema more than they ever have, especially with Parasite. So one can only hope that movies like Parasite and filmmakers like will continue to flourish um, in America, but it's, I don't I know. I feel like Netflix, I mean, I, I mean, I also don't know Net- about like middle America or, you know, any of that, but I feel like foreign films because of Netflix's ability to make things widely distributed have made them bigger i agree more willing great platform for foreign content yeah exactly like if they put a foreign film on their streaming service and there's a good word of mouth about it people are more likely to watch it than if it were to come out in theaters and then you got to go and i mean obviously theaters are not open right now but like you know streaming services have made it easier to watch foreign films I mean, even um, even TV shows, even something like Dark, like it uh, got yeah, a, that got a qu- that got a quick word of mouth, and that's Narcos. one of those things. That's probably yeah, and those are some of the most popular Netflix, uh, you know, uh, original programs out there. And so it's kind of like we're definitely, I believe firmly that we're we are moving towards uh, a progressive age of, of of blending foreign culture with with American, which is great because like if there's one takeaway we've had, I mean, this is in our show, this is the first time we've tackled a foreign filmmaker. And it was a completely eye-opening experience. And it's it's making me, it's cementing my values in terms of like, of, of appreciating the art of foreign films that there's, I just do not hear about enough here. Well, like you mentioned in the Parasite episode, Bong Joon-ho has that famous quote of like, if you can make it through the barrier of the one inch word on the screen. just get over the one inch barrier on your screen. Like you know, you you'll will be find open to, you, like a world will open for you, and be open to so a world of, of other films. And you know, foreign films have always been astounding to me because, like, I've taken countless film classes on them. You know, like French New Wave and all that stuff. Uh, you know, neo realism in Italy, stuff like that. Uh, Soviet cinema, but uh, you know, to the mainstream, I really hope that someone like Bong Joon-ho and even with some other best directors that have won recently like Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cuaron and absolutely you know obviously they come from Mexico which is completely different than South Korea but you know a lot of people watched Roma because it was Netflix's big push in that year so I'm hoping that people start taking foreign films more seriously i guess is especially when you have such a stacked filmography like this like parasite mother memories of murder you know it's so good and the host you know anyone can watch those movies and fall in love with them it's um i mean yeah i i just i don't know i just think it's it's not that it's not to knock american films but it's just like when you watch movies like like you said like parasite and you look at you put it perfectly like when you when you watch such a stacked filmography it's like how are more people not talking about these kinds of movies yeah how are we not getting more movies like this (laughs) you know again like you said not a knock to american films because there are you know countless amazing american films literally countless but something like 
uh, mother, I'm quite sure like even some people immersed in film have never seen that movie. And it's like, you should, because that movie is brilliant. So I'm, and no yeah. one talks about it. Yeah. You know, I was good. Yeah. I don't know if you want to use that as a segue to, um, you know, give our picks to, uh, uh, our, a yeah, pick we to can the crowd uh, from a, do the pick of the week here. The pick of the week. In I terms think that's of a good what, place to end our conversation. Well, I was going to say in the past for other filmographies, we picked one of the film that we've covered to recommend uh, to folks, um, you know, because I know in the, in the past we've talked about, you know, um, uh, with Darjeeling limited being Wes's, uh, you know, the underdog yeah. or, uh, uh, you know, with 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 uh, Nolan, Nolan, it was, it was um, uh, insomnia, insomnia, and so I feel like when you talk about movies to recommend, I feel like it's hard to not think of like other where how many people will have heard of it, you know what I mean? And so I don't know. I, I yeah. mean, I, I I think that's it's just like movies like that. I, you know, you can't recommend enough. I think part of it is because of the lack of expectations. No one is talking about it, you know. Absolutely. And it's on Hulu. Uh, yeah it's easily accessible you just <laughs> put on your hulu and there it's it is literally on hulu uh i'll give a different pick of the week just for differential sake oh of uh, course i'll go with okja simply because i like i said in the beginning like this wasn't necessarily a movie that i thought that i loved the first time i watched it but the rewatch had me just like so engaged and the movie felt so poignant and on brand, not just with Bong Joon-ho, but like with just the way, the way that the world works, you know, <laughs> and yeah. the way that the food industry works. And maybe it's my vegetarianism now, but uh, I don't know. There was just something very pressing about that movie for me. I feel like it also got buried. Like they, I, one of the biggest reasons that, by Bong brought it to Netflix, as we were saying in that episode, is that he could get more viewers because with Snowpiercer, he got screwed. Um, yeah. You know, when, when it bombed, because like, you know, no one really knew it was out. Whereas Okja, he saw the opportunity with Netflix, put it out, and then it came out. And I I, I guess it got a, maybe a little buzz when it came out, but I think that... Well, that also as... falls to me in like the problem with Netflix. Yes, there are great things about Netflix. Don't get me wrong. We were just talking about how it's amazing how you can make a foreign film wide, mm. uh, widely known through Netflix. But Netflix also has a very small window of opportunity where something falls into the mainstream because of Absolutely. how much they release per week. When you release a TV show, like the entire season in one week, it's only a week conversation because by the next week, something new There's has something come else out. Big, and yeah. You know, you don't care anymore. Okja yeah. came out in 2017. And how many other great movies has Netflix dropped since then? That's why I said I, it got buried. It was just one of those things that, like, people are not talking about it enough. That's another, it's a great pick for a sleeper hit. You know, it's, yeah. And it's so good. I don't remember what else came out in 2017 for Netflix, but I know that that Okja wasn't their, like, main Oscar push that year. Correct. So I think they were still figuring it out. No. I, they they were absolutely they really didn't I, the following until when they had roma that's when they right. were really like gunning for that oscar and then in right. 2019 again with the irishman irishman yeah yeah and then they i think that they were gonna try with mank but i don't know if it still holds the steam that with the 
Well, and a lot has changed with the pandemic and the expectations of what the Oscars are even going to look like. But all I have to say is, or if they even happen, to be honest, right. I don't know. But but with Okja, it was well, it was one of those things. Like it, it's such an enormous movie, and it's one that, like you said, like with all the uh, the you know the vegetarian values or whatever you want to <laughs> call it. I mean, it's 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 a it's a great movie, and I, I you know people aren't talking about it enough. So before we head out, I think it's time. You know what time it is. It's time. It's time to announce the next category. The next for, show. <laughs> the next season of Whose Filmography Is It Anyway? Oh, boy. Stephen, and I... Josh, do you want to tell the good people and I guess the bad people what the... You can tell them all. Do you want to tell them what the topic is? I do. Uh, I feel like our entire lives, our entire careers, and our entire friendship has built to this moment. But, uh, uh, yeah, uh, if you didn't guess, folks, we will be covering... Um, We'll be covering Star Wars. Uh, da, na, 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 I don't know if you've heard of it. Na, 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 na. Yeah, have you ever heard of this thing called all, Star Wars? All the all the nerds rejoice and sigh, and I'm just picturing someone just tuning off immediately, be like, "Oh, these these assholes <laughs> they're sold out. Oh, these they kids sold, are sold out. out. Whatever, it's man." It's as if millions of voices have suddenly cried out and abruptly went silent. <laughs> just to give a little preface, and we'll do it in our introductory episode because this is the bong episode. We will not divert too much, but. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of embedded knowledge and history and nerd fandom buried in our souls. I will be completely honest right now. I am very, very um, excited to get into Star Wars, but I'm also extremely nervous. Of because course. Because I just don't know how we're going to contain ourselves to an hour and a half per episode. We'll, we'll, or we'll have to, we'll trim. We'll have to figure out a way. We'll find out. We'll, when we do our show, we'll put all of our energy into it. But it's a great tease uh yeah i just wanted to note one more thing we will be starting with the phantom menace we will not be starting with a new hope so you may not want to tune in for a little while but you may not want to tune in for the first three or four well i guess five with rogue one and solo episodes but you know the original trilogy comes after that we decided to go in chronological order not it just makes sense yeah just because uh we're building up the story it just is easier yep so we hope that you enjoyed this coverage of Bong Joon-ho. I know that Josh and I did. We clearly had a long discussion about how much we loved it. Uh, did you want to add anything else? No. Where can the good people find us? Well, you can find me on Instagram and Letterbox at Mr. Filmart. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at Who's Filmography. And you can follow Josh at Letterboxd under Beesh. It's exactly how it sounds. B e e s h. You can uh, and yeah, and you know, you know, also follow the show. Find well, us on Instagram. Who's filmography? Well, next week, bring your booba, and uh, remember, oh, there's always a bigger fish. Oh God. <laughs>